Welcome to The Measure of a Fan, a Star Trek podcast in which two Star Trek nerds and Star Trek noob watch all of Star Trek chronologically. I'm PJ Montgomery and joining me as ever are Matt Troy. Hello. And Elliot Red. Hello everybody. And we are also this week joined by another guest. He is the author and the creator of the Doctor Who spin-off series of novels about Brigadier Lethbridge Stewart. It is Andy Frankham Allen. Hello Andy. Hello. How are you? I'm okay, actually. I've just watched The Lighthouse, so I'm awesome. <laughs> I haven't seen that yet. It's interesting. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's hard to describe. It's, um, you need to watch it. That's really all I can say. It's <laughs> something else. <laughs> okay. I will definitely check it out. Was that right after you watched Acquisition? Was it like a palate cleanser for you? <laughs> uh, no, I had a few hours in between where I thought I'd do some actual writing just to hopefully clear my head. I think it helped. <laughs> I think. But we'll see. Before we get to today's episode, Andy, tell us a bit about your history with Star Trek. Where did you first encounter it? And- uh, Farpoint. Aha. Um... Oh, God. I've been watching Star Trek since I was a lad. I watched it in, like, late 70s, early 80s. But I really got into it in 87, which, of course, is when TNG came along. I have very, very clear memories of seeing a big two-page spread in some paper or other, some mirror, I don't know what it was. Um, And I remember getting the VHS tapes. They used to, like, put two random episodes together and kind of weird. And then, of course, they released them properly commercially and went from that to DS9 to <clears throat> Voyager. And yes, I've watched literally every single episode that exists. I have every episode that you can actually buy. I have God knows how many books, models. Yeah, I don't know. I, you could even say I might be more of a fan of Star Trek than Doctor Who. Maybe. It's just they haven't let you write it yet. That's no, which is annoying because I've got this amazing idea for a book. But yeah, I can't see it happening anymore because Picard's kind of ruined everything. <laughs> In a good way. I mean ruined everything for the book I wanted to write. Hmm. I'm not going to mention what it is just in case. You never know it could still happen. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's possible. And what is your overall feeling then on Enterprise, where we are today? <laughs> Oh, you had to ask. Um, Oh, I've struggled with Enterprise a lot over the years. It took me some years to finally get around to watching it. Um, I watched it once on DVD, borrowed it off a friend because I couldn't quite bring myself to buy it. And yeah, I I just didn't get on with it the first time around because it just doesn't really fit very well. And of course, 
the infamous theme song that I know you all love so much. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and then I rewatched it when it came on Blu-ray, but I reset my mind to just try and look at it as just its own thing, as opposed to mm. part of the prime canon, if you want. And I enjoyed it a lot more that time. Not saying it's perfect, because, oh God, it's not. But as you've told um, Elliot many, 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 many times, it does get better. Sadly, <laughs> this episode's not one of them. Every guest has said this as well. See, Elliot, everyone's saying it. It's true. And this is me as a I Star Trek it's... fan, and I've watched the worst of Star Trek. I have to say, though, it doesn't get much better. It just gets better. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Are we just going to get to a point where we'll get to an episode and then you go, there you go, it's better, what do you think? And I'll be like, uh, uh, was it? I don't know. Yeah, that was the one. That was the one. Yeah. When we said got better, we didn't mean all of it, just an episode. <laughs> he thinks we're joking. <laughs> but I know, Andy, you've you've got your own theory in terms of timeline and where Enterprise fits, don't you? Yes. Okie dokie. I, I, I don't want to spoil things for Elliot here. It's, okay. Um, how do I do Elliot it? has seen First Contact and two oh, well, of the good, films, if that helps. That's, as you know, as I, as I was saying on Twitter today, that's where I think Enterprise begins. In my mind, because it's the only way it, I can watch it and enjoy it as a show, um, is that because of what happened in First Contact, it kind of altered the timeline a wee bit, because obviously Picard and that were not... Uh-huh originally involved in first contact one assumes but i think it just sort of altered the timeline just enough that and then of course temple cold war comes along and makes it even more of a mess because i as i explained earlier on twitter i think the reason this ship's called enterprise is because they've heard so many stories from zephyr and cochran that they renamed they named enterprise when originally this was just some nondescript ship that probably went through similar events but not quite the same and because otherwise, why the hell was it never mentioned if it's that big a deal? Because, you know, as you as we all know, Star Trek, certainly the main shows, are essentially about the lineage of the Enterprise. And if mm. the Enterprise was involved in such fundamental foundational stuff 100 years prior to Kirk, 200 years before Picard, then how, honestly, it would have been there on Picard's um, ship. It would have been there on the yeah. uh, observation room. Been on the wall, yeah. yeah, and including in the Enterprise E, it would have been on that. And when they talk about Federation Day and no mention of the Enterprise's impact, come on, who are they kidding? <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, I that's the only way I can watch it and enjoy it as a show if I look at it as it's not quite the prime reality. And as I also mentioned on Twitter, I tend to chronologically have it as a lead-in into the um, Abrams story, uh, films too. Mm. Because as you, you know, anybody who's watched them knows the opening of that film, there's no way in hell that's set in the prime timeline. There's too yeah. much. It's like, <laughs> really? You were supposed to believe this is set before Kirk's time? I don't think so. Yeah. So, yeah, that's how I work it out. And also, isn't it in Into Darkness is the only one where you actually see a model of the mm. NX01 on anybody's desk. Yeah. So that does, that does feel... Although, and I may be wrong, but I'll have to rewatch it again soon because I'm rewatching Next Gen, so I'll get to it. 
I've got a feeling that it's actually in the observation deck on Enterprise E in Nemesis. Oh. Because at that point, they'd already started making Enterprise. But I may yeah. be wrong. But I've got a feeling it might be. There is, and this isn't a spoiler for Nemesis, on, on a screen you see locations of Starfleet ships, and one of them is called the USS Archer as well. Yeah, they did want to assume Nemesis. Yeah, that would make sense to me. But also, I mean, that doesn't... Archer could literally mean anything. doesn't necessarily could. have to be... It could reference disgraced Tory MP Jeffrey Archer, for example. <laughs> could be, could be, could be, could be. That wonderful novelist, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although, as we know, the Remond do end up using um, uniforms that they stole from the Zindi, so maybe. Yeah. <laughs> well, there we go. I think this is something that probably will come up a few times when we're uh, we're discussing Enterprise. So thank you for sharing that one with us, Andy. It's okay. You can use that as your headcanon if it helps. <laughs> actually has so today helped. we're looking today we're looking at acquisition which was a story by rick berman and brannon braga teleplay by maria and andre jacques metton and was directed by james whitmore jr elliot the aliens who turn up here did you recognize them oh yeah for sure i don't know anything about them i don't know the name of their species i don't know the name of a single one of their species or any characters but i've seen them when i walked past you watching star trek many a time <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, this is the Ferengi, and they shouldn't be there. Is essentially the topic of conversation this week. <laughs> oh man! But we'll get to we'll get to that part of it. I think after that we discuss the episode itself. So we open with basically an alien vessel closing on the Enterprise, which is drifting in space. We see these aliens. They speak a language we don't know, and they dock with the Enterprise. That is our teaser. Uh, Matt, how do you feel about the proto Ferengi ship? It's it's fine. It fits in with Ferengi ships, assuming they don't change a lot of what they do with their ships over time, which maybe they don't need to. Um, they always seem to be like knocking around in some little shuttle, though. I would have liked to have seen something maybe bigger. Also, I just like to add, this is another very molesty episode. Oh my! Oh man! <laughs> which, yes. I mean, there are so many of them in the first series of Enterprise. It is, I mean, obviously, it's going to get worse when we go back to Star Trek, the original series. You know, <laughs> it's exponentially. Bad that it's always, it's always to Paul as well. I know it is. It is it's Bremen and Braga being pervs, like licking their gross lips. It does feel like every episode that is a bit molesty has their hand in the story. It's either a story by or they just wrote the script outright. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's weird, isn't it? Because. As um, anybody who's watched TNG will know, Braga wrote some fantastic episodes back then. So I'm inclined to think it's more Berman. That's <laughs> that's a common reoccurring thing to blame yeah. it on Berman, and I, <laughs> I tend to agree. But also, I think you know Braga is the lesser of two weevils, but he's still a weevil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think he, you know. He solo wrote some poor episodes of Voyager as well, and oh, but who didn't? Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> to be fair, even Ronald D. Moore wrote some poor episodes of Voyager. So. Well, yeah. Voyager, yeah. Anyway, the aliens—it's the Ferengi. We'll just say it. Memory Alpha tries to not tell you it's the Ferengi. It has photos of Ferengi and captions them as Ferengi. But if you actually read the episode description, it re just refers to them as the aliens. Really? Yeah. Wow. Oh dear. 
But they board the Enterprise wearing gas masks, find the entire crew is unconscious. Uh, they seem to be not impressed by human ears, but they do seem interested in Vulcan ears. They really do, don't they? Which is strange, they because do. they seem to be mocking the size at first. And Vulcan ears are roughly the same size as humans, so for the fact that it has a point is that much of a change in difference. and makes that <laughs> yes. much it, it, I think it just makes them sexier. Considering <laughs> what our friend you like with the ears, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of uh, molesty. Oh, yeah. They are one of the most molesty of the aliens in yeah. uh, in Star Trek. Also, they don't know how pie works because that <laughs> just tossed a couple of loose pies in his in his bag. Yeah. It's not going to end well for you. You have pie everywhere. I will say one of the things I do quite like, and it's it's stupid, but is is the stunt casting of three of these four Ferengi. Because you've got Ethan Phillips, who Elliot is one of the main cast members of Voyager, but also did play a Ferengi on Next Generation. More okay. than once, I think. Yeah, I feel like he played a couple. Um, Jeffrey Coombs, who we obviously already seen as Shran. Was he one of them? Yeah, Jeffrey Coombs is... Uh, is well, I can't remember their names. He's the, the wussy one. The nice one. Uh, but he Glenn, also Glenn, would play... He also plays a recurring Ferengi character on Deep Space Nine. Oh, yes. Right. Yes, Brunt of the FCA. And then Clint Howard, who was in the original series. In the first proper episode. The Corbamite Maneuver, yeah. 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 And then it's some other guy who'd never been in Star Trek before, <laughs> Matt Malloy. Yeah, but <laughs> he's, in, um, he's also in Deep Space Nine, isn't he, um, uh, Clint Howard? Yeah, he's, uh, I want to say he's in the um, past tense two-parter. He is, yeah. Yes, he is, yes. Yes. And didn't he show up in Discovery season 1 as well? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, he was a he was a creepy and um not Andorian, what they called Orion. That's it. Yeah. I think all four of them do a pretty good job with the material they're given. I actually yeah. enjoyed all four performances. I'm going to go on a limb here and say they're some of the best acting that we've seen uh, <laughs> on the show so far. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I like that um, initially we can't understand them. I thought that was a nice touch. Yes. But they do rather piss it away later. A bit of a reoccurring thing as well for Ferengi. There's uh, Little Green Men in Deep Space yeah. Nine that happens in, yeah. Which is a much better episode. But what I find, what I find weird in this one is although you initially get the bit with the translator with um, Archer, later on, everybody can understand the Ferengi, even to Paul when she never got exposed to their translator. Kind of, I don't know. Oh my God, you're right. That had not occurred to me. <laughs> the mysteries of the translator. <laughs> Who knows what it'll do in this episode? Yeah, because we know that the Enterprise crew don't have a translator because Hoshi's not in this episode, so no translator at all. So I don't know. No, no, she gets to lie there doing nothing for a couple of seconds. Doesn't Archer use the translator to talk to woman on planet and misrepresent the word dog not a few episodes ago? Yeah, but he actually has to use his own communicator to do that. Yeah. So the the Ferengi do that in this episode, but the Enterprise crew haven't done it, so yeah. Were they just using a device again? Is Google Translate for audiences? A wizard did it. <laughs> yeah, a wizard did it. A subspace anomaly wizard. did it. 
But the, the Ferengi proceed to the bridge where we do very briefly see Travis as they throw him out of his chair and then try and steal his chair. <laughs> this Travis. is more that, than Travis has done in several episodes. <laughs> did, they, did they show Travis, like, even unconscious? Very briefly from behind. Yeah. <laughs> really? Passed out while uh, Archer's having a nap. <laughs> <laughs> he got paid for that, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, can't argue with that. That's easy work. So we then cut to the sexy room. Oh, yeah. Trip is in there because he's just come back from doing something and he had to decontaminate. And actually, finally, the sexy room has some actual relevance to the plot because it means <laughs> Trip has not been knocked unconscious by whatever's hit the rest of the crew. Mm-hmm. Which I was happy with. He's still in his one vest and pants that he has. <laughs> they were playing to the audience. Yeah, Lisa did say, ah, so this is for the women. Well, (laughs) not just the women. (laughs) (laughs) I like the bit where, well, I don't like the bit. They're just like, they're going to revive somebody. And I'm like, who are they going to revive? Oh, it's Archer. (laughs) Great. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I just want to mention, before they do that, they ransack sickbay. And obviously, Flox is unconscious in there. But they also open a jar. Something reacts violently, and they close the jar again. I like to think it was a tiny Denobulan lemur. Oh, I hope it was a Denobulan lemur. That would be great. <laughs> and uh, one of the Ferengi also goes to steal some boots and just has lovely stripy socks. Yeah, oh, the socks are nice. great. I was, I was well, there was for the socks, for sure. odd touch. I like that. <laughs> I didn't really understand. Are they trying to say that, like, oh, they're like humans because they're spontaneous? Or I just think stripy socks are universal. Ferengi are known for, like, having, like, weird fashion. They, their mm. outfits are terrible, and I just think that that was kind of you know a little concession to that that they actually do wear quite fancy okay. socks. Okay, and to me it was they, a weird thing to focus on and then not yeah. explain at all. Yeah, it shows that they're fancy boys. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they do take Archer to a shuttle bay, I think it is, or just some cargo room, something like that, and they handcuff him to a handy handle. Oh yeah. <laughs> which is when they start to translate and they can understand each other. And they basically say, where's all your, you know, important, valuable stuff that we can have? Hang on, is this before or after they've put Porthos in a box? Before. before. Okay. But Archer's basically going, oh, we don't have valuable stuff. We're an exploration vessel. Please leave me alone. But then he sees Trip and he goes, actually, I've got a vault and it's full of gold. <laughs> See what I thought was odd about Archer in this is he didn't do anything that needed him to be Archer. You could have easily put him, replaced him with Travis, and give Travis a fun episode to play. Yeah, <laughs> anything to do, anything yeah. at all. Even Flocks would have been more interesting. I think. Uh, I agree. There is. One thing later on in the episode, I think, that is particularly Archer, and that's later on he's trying to distract them, so he starts talking about uh, how T'Pol and other Vulcans are... They're, they're difficult, they have no sense of humour, they're just awful to be around. He basically uses his racism as a distraction. <laughs> yes. Also, there's a, there's a bit of Archer where he goes, um, our society was much like yours many years ago, and we nearly destroyed ourselves, and the Frankie just flips him completely up and just goes, oh, you should have managed your business better. <laughs> <laughs> just totally dismisses uh, his moral high ground is out of hand. 
That's because that Ferengi is Elliot in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> he feels about Archer the way Elliot feels about Archer. Hey, man. <laughs> like, I got nothing bad to say about Archer considering this episode, but <laughs> I do agree that it could have been any other character could have pulled this off. <laughs> and in fact, as soon as T'Pol is made awake, she immediately is more consistent and competent than anybody within the first like minute of her consciousness. Yeah. Well, that's it. Trip wakes. Basically, he manages to speak to Archer later on. There's a bit more discussion of the Ferengi taking all the females and selling them in a slave market because Ferengi <laughs> going to Ferengi. Females. <laughs> also, just just as a point here, how the fuck do they manage to gas the whole ship? Surely there's like a like a clothes vent. Some kind of environmental kind of. It's a spaceship. You should be able to seal off different sections, environments. So the moment like everyone starts getting gassed, you go, "Oh shit, gas!" And then you like lock down the vents. You know, like mm-hmm. were the doors open all the way around the ship? Were all the fucking doors open? <laughs> a spring clean, yeah. I reckon. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> like, oh. <laughs> Malcolm's done a massive shit. You open up the, the doors a bit and let's get it out of here. It's a real wafter. <laughs> I mean, you're making the mistake of applying common sense to this episode, Matt. That's... Run your ship better, Archer, you lazy bastard. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. You know, it's funny, just as an aside, because I've listened to a few of your episodes, well, all that exists currently, and you are you guys always going about how badly run and how unprofessional everybody is on this enterprise. And while I'm going through TNG, I'm watching it, and every time I'm watching, thinking, ooh, I wonder what the lads are going to say about this. I wonder what they're going to say about that. And I'm thinking, see, this is how it's done properly. <laughs> you are watching on TNG now, so thank you. <laughs> I'm sure we'll have certainly some stuff to say on the early seasons of TNG. It's when TNG gets good, I'm worried we'll have nothing to say other than, well, that was good. Let's yeah. not forget that <laughs> yeah. the, the, the Enterprise fell for exactly the same trick as this at one point. That's true. <laughs> Very similar, yes. I was thinking that. So, Elliot, you've got more of this to come. Oh, yes. And it'd be like 10 years away, yeah. So... The Ferengi are making Archer load all the stuff onto their ship. Well, one of them is Jeffrey Coombs, while the other three all go searching for a vault. Archer has now convinced them exists on the ship. And that's when he speaks to Trip and tells Trip to use the same hypo spray they used on him, which they've just left <laughs> to go and wake other people up. That was that, that, that confused me. I watched that and I was thinking, how does he know that's what that does? Because he was unconscious when they ple- pressed it to him. Yeah. I thought, That's well, that was point. lucky that was the right one, wasn't it? Because that could have been anything. <laughs> could have just been Ferengi heroin. Yeah, it could have been literally anything, you know. They come okay. back and Trip sprawled out on the floor listening to White A Shade of Pale by Procol Horror. <laughs> Tripping balls. Well, is it, That's is... where he gets his name. <laughs> yeah, that's his, that's his actual full name. <laughs> Tripping balls Tucker. Um, <laughs> There's that line around this bit as well, isn't there, where one of the Ferengi says, do I look like a mank to you? Which is a yes. callback to the Dear Doctor episode that we um, we watched uh, a while back. Yep, because the Menk say they had encountered the Ferengi. Yeah, they did. They said they'd encountered the Ferengi and the Menk are the, like, the Neanderthal race on that planet that they, they have mm. a quandary about saving or it's the other guys they want to save, isn't it? So yeah, I can't remember that. That was a nice bit of tying together for Enterprise. 
<laughs> do they actually mention the Ferengi by name in that episode then? They do. Yeah, they say they've encountered oh. the Ferengi Alliance. That's interesting. Hmm. And makes this one more problematic. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Trip wakes up to Paul and then just keeps on injecting Hoshi but can't wake her up too because he just used all of it onto Paul. And she oh. wakes up and goes, oh my god, why are you in your pants and why am I? Why was I unconscious? What did you do to me? See, you see a guy in his underwear, what do you think straight away? Cuh. <laughs> As Trip kind of said. To be fair, she wakes up and sees him injecting Hoshi with a needle that's not doing anything as well. So. <laughs> yeah. There's also a bit around here where one of the Ferengi says, everyone knows you'd steal wax from your mother's ears, which I thought was a gross but very Ferengi line. The Ferengi at least are consistent with what we know about yeah. the Ferengi and have seen in previous series. Uh, and then what Paul sort of wakes up and then joins the action and then starts doing like possibly like the, the first episode of like 20, 21st or 22nd century punked on the Ferengi. <laughs> <laughs> which I really enjoyed. Yeah, before she, while she's doing that though, Trip decides he needs to wear a uniform, but he just seems to go and steal another crewman science uniform. Yeah. That was weird. I, I feel yeah. like he's had time to go to his quarters and put on his own uniform if he's that bothered by his modesty. You'd have thought so. Yeah, that was a bit odd. It's a big ship, and there's only four Ferengi on it. You could have easily snuck back. And also, <laughs> why have they not got, like, a hammer? Like, there's got to be a hammer you can crack somebody over the head with. And also, how many phases did Malcolm say they had 14? Did he, didn't he say they had 14? Uh, he, that's like phaser lockers. Oh, no, oh, no yeah. Malcolm, yeah, in that previous episode, yeah, something like 14, and they, they got, got one, one phaser per locker. Per locker. <laughs> Who's Malcolm? <laughs> I wish. Fully unconscious in this episode. I know, isn't that wonderful? I kind of just wish Archer had offered him to the Ferengi at the end of it. Oh man, it's so nice (laughs) that the episode I get with you didn't have Malcolm in it. I was thinking when the Ferengi were wheeling out that missile onto their ship, I was like, oh, Malcolm's going to be insufferable about this. (laughs) (laughs) He's going to be so sarcastic. No, he doesn't get a line, not a single line, and oh, it's amazing. He gets pure travest. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, T'Pol starts messing with the Ferengi. They think they found the vault in the uh, in sick bay, mm. and then the bed pops out, and they're all very surprised and don't seem to understand what a bed is. Yeah, that was like <laughs> all at once classic Ferengi, and all at once really weird for a group of civilized aliens, you know, who, who I mean, fly the, these guys. I totally agree. These guys are generally, I've, if that's what the Ferengi are, then that's fair enough. They're playing to that. But for a bunch of intergalactic pirates, they're fucking dumb. <laughs> they are you can dumb. work a spaceship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was. It was very quick for them to to do what the Sopranos would call form dysentery in the ranks. <laughs> <laughs> they they were really quick to fall apart. <laughs> oh God, yes. I was thinking, and when I watch, I'm thinking, um, this is very easy. Literally, they barely have to say anything to the Ferengi, and the Ferengi are like, okay, I don't trust anybody now. <laughs> like, really easy. So the Ferengi go to the bridge, 
and they're using a map to try and figure out where the vault is and they find Archer's quarters on the map and go, well, the vault must be in there. And then Topol makes a really high-pitched noise happen in the bridge, which really annoys the Ferengi until they shoot another bit of the bridge to stop it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I forgot about that bit. That was weird. But, but also, I mean, if they've got big giant ears and you have to assume that they're sensitive to noise, but this is also the point when she just walks in and nicks a couple of the things they've already stolen and plants them in the other Ferengi's bag to start sewing some more descent. Yeah, this that is was good. proper punk. So this is, you know, Trip's running around trying to find clothes and T'Pol's actually getting stuff done. Because T'Pol is the only one who actually does a job. <laughs> <laughs> I am surprised, however, that Vulcans have never met the Ferengi. Because they've met probably everybody else, it seems. Yeah. You know, they've been out there. It's, it's weird. It's It feels like, and this is something we're going to get into in more detail at the end of the episode, that Vulcans, for the Ferengi to have turned up here, Vulcans should have already met them, and then they should be them. met again before they are. But we'll get to that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I have some thoughts on that too, and I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> <laughs> so in engineering, Jeffrey Coombs is, because Krem, according to Memory Alpha, but I'm just going to call him Jeffrey Coombs. It's getting Archer to remove parts of the warp core to steal. And Archer tries to say to him, ah, they're not treating you very nicely. You should be in charge and I will split profits with you. But it doesn't work because Archer's terrible. Yep. Yeah. If that was Travis, he would have done it. Yeah. (laughs) I like Travis. If it was Malcolm, he would have literally done it. Malcolm would have blown him. (laughs) (laughs) Please don't hurt my friends. I'll blow you. (laughs) (laughs) but this is where we get the ferengi breaking into archer's quarters and trying to interrogate porthos (laughs) that was great i do like the logic they apply where well he's got big ears so he must be the intelligent life yeah i've got got that down too i like that that's very ferengi they're obsessed with ears aren't they yeah they really really are I like the bit where he was like, for all you know, this could be the captain's next meal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but then they decide to sell Porthos to a zoo and put him in one of their boxes. <laughs> oh, poor Porthos. Oh, Porthos. Dog in a box. But that's when they chase Trip, because uh, they spot him, and Ethan Phillips hits him with an energy whip, which I did like, because in their very first appearance they had energy whips and then those whips never appeared again so at that point their technology presumably developed but I quite like that they did bring that back here see that's why I wish these Ferengi had been a bit more like the ones we originally saw yeah you know not too much because obviously as you know from that episode not great but at least a little <laughs> bit more like them just to suggest a some sort of evolution or something because yeah are too much too much like the Ferengi from 200 years later. We should definitely make theorize on that later on, because I do have some loose ideas as to how that might work. Okay, cool. Not good ones. <laughs> <laughs> so then the aliens have got... The aliens, I'm reading Memory Alpha again. What am I doing that for? The Ferengi <laughs> have got Trip. They bring him to Archer, and then Trip, for some reason, starts saying that he's married to Hoshi, and he and Archer have a fight. And I yeah. don't really understand why he needed to claim he was married to Hoshi. Yeah, this was all odd. He just had a boner for it, didn't he? Yeah, that was a weird one, wasn't it? He got into it and he was having some fun and he was like, oh, I can say anything right now. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's just to remind us that Hoshi still exists on the ship. 
Yeah, at least they use her name in this episode. Yeah, she's, she's just been flumped somewhere. They're in the background getting injected and thrown about. At least Travis doesn't even yeah. have that. Yeah, they don't even mention Travis's name. Nope. Half the time I don't think they know what his name is. <laughs> like, yeah, Terrence. Like, no, that's not his name. <laughs> um, what's his name? What's his name? <laughs> it was Thomas, wasn't it? Thomas. <laughs> one of those one of those T names. <laughs> Terry Mayweather. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but Archer and Trip fake a fight so that Trip can say, Hey, I'll take you to the vault because I don't like him anymore. And then Archer fakes a water polo injury. That <laughs> was weird. Uh, yeah, it was all very convenient. <laughs> so here's here's where time gets a bit weird. Trip just sort of leads the Ferengi on, on a wild goose chase around the ship for a while. To Paul goes to the Ferengi ship where Jeffrey Coombs is loading stuff because of Archer's water polo injury. He asks her to do umox on him. That is a thing, Elliot, because Ferengi oh, love having their ears played with. That's horrible. <laughs> it's like it's like a Ferengi yeah. hand job. Yeah, I, I gathered when they used the term perform. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that scene freaks me out, man. Yeah, it's oh. freaky. It's hard. You know, I'm glad that we're she... on this general subject. The design of the Ferengi, which I've never had a word or name to these creatures before, I only just saw them, are repulsive. Like, <laughs> they are truly vile. The giant ears must have so much cartilage in them. The weird, hairless, bulging skull, which clearly isn't brains. The... the <laughs> eyebrow ear cartilage mixing the noses are weird the horrible teeth the voices are nasty like the horrible creatures this is great well designed, well designed. <laughs> see the umox thing freaks me out because earlier in the episode as we know they keep on playing with everybody else's ears you're like yeah you're literally molesting somebody who's unconscious from their point of view because that, that's yeah yeah yeah, it, yeah. It, it, once again on Enterprise season one is molesting played for laughs, mm. which is what this this series does, and one of the reasons why it's terrible. This is to Paul eventually nerve pinches him, but she was close enough to do that without having to rub his ears and have him react that way as well. She could have just yeah. nerve pinched straight yeah, off, straight away. Also, as well, this scene is where we establish something that will echo through the ages of Star Trek. Uh, in that she says human to the Ferengi, and then the Ferengi says human. Human. I hated that. I hated that. <laughs> I I always think it's like I don't think it's r- official recorded Ferengi stuff. I think it's a weird impediment, like they <laughs> like some kind of like something that, that ties into their language. Like there's another creature called a human or some <laughs> weird thing, and um, yeah. Or maybe they just listen to dogs to see how dogs pronounce how our species is. <laughs> I think they're just thick. Yeah. yeah well. But yeah, well. Elliot, human is what they call humans consistently. Even even in Deep Space Nine, there's, yeah. a, there's one of the main characters in Deep Space Nine is a Ferengi, and he refers to them as humans all the time. Okay, um, but they can pronounce the word Cuban and stuff without any problem, right? Like... <laughs> yeah, it's just that one word they struggle with. 
And is that literally the the origin story that they've tried to tell for this episode? Is that I he heard the word human and just went human? That's <laughs> the entire reason for this episode is this thing. <laughs> it's, you say that like there, there is some precedence for this in um, in history. In like you know when the British went to Mumbai, they asked what's the name of the city, and the local said Mumbai, and they were like Bombay, and that was that. It's like Malaysia and Malaya. So there is precedent in real history for just calling somebody's name wrong and being too much of a prick to pronounce it right. Oh, but this sure. is a really like tenuous, like it implies that not only did this guy get back to Ferengi space, but was important enough for them to put onto their like registry of alien races that there are a race somewhere out there called the Humans, and, and that's that. <laughs> <laughs> so all at once it's kind of like oh yeah i can see where they're going with this and also like yeah it's also kind of stupid too <laughs> but after topol has has nerve pinched jeffrey coombs we cut back to trip wandering the ship with the other ferengi and then he finally finds what he says is the vault lets them in and topol's already in there and just shoots them all game set match when did they discuss this plan with topol I assumed, yeah, I assumed that they were going like, to lock him in a room or something that they couldn't get out of instead of just have to pull in there to have a firefight with them. Which, how did she get in there? She was just passing, you know, and she thought, oh, hello, I'll hang in here for a minute. <laughs> Maybe they'll come in yeah. here and I'll get lucky. And I exactly, and what you know. Yeah, see, I could hear them. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like they was trying also to imply that Trip had been leading them around for a long enough for Topol to get there, but it just doesn't feel that way as well. I don't know if it's the editing or, or how it was shot, but it just doesn't feel like she's had long enough to get there or that it makes any sense for her to be there. Yeah, not just that. Yeah, I, feel I thought like... she appeared out of nowhere. She did, she, she kind of just appeared in the corner, and the guy, the main Ferengi, also like immediately yells it's a trap almost as if it was his cue (laughs) (laughs) it's a trap it's a trap (laughs) it was very a very akbar but it was like there was no indication it was a trap you didn't immediately see the vulcan in standing in the corner behind you before you said that you just yelled it's a trap as you turned around yeah and then to pull it hello yep zap zap yes phase it everyone <laughs> Even trip, he had it coming. <laughs> and then that's it. They're stunned. She goes and frees Archer, though she does say, So you were being racist about me earlier. Why should I free you? And he's like, Um, I don't have an answer for this. I order you that's, to free me. That's just how I am. Yep. That is pretty much how it goes. Well, just that he does sarcast- sarcastically lie first. She's like, no, I'll make it up to you. And she's like, how? And he's like, uh, five bars of gold? Oh, fucking no. What do you want? Get me out, quick. Come on. I'll give you a uniform, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> God knows she needs one. Or at least one of those hats. Yes. <laughs> yes. That would look awesome on her. Hide the bowl haircut. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Uh, and that's it really they send the Ferengi away Jeffrey Coombs is in charge now and they say hey hey don't you come near Russell the Vulcans again because continuity means you're not allowed to and also (laughs) you haven't said your race's name I'm going to be contacting the Vulcan High Command as well as Starfleet 
If you come within a light year of any one of our ships, you won't know what hit you. You'll never see us again. If you want to be unshackled, you might think about showing Krem here a little more respect. Vermin! Release me, and I'll forget this ever happened. Later, maybe, if you're nice. Let me go, you idiot! Shut up! <laughs> really, though? Uh, the uh, end. What are the odds of Frankie not doing that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Come on. On the say so of this one guy, one they're called Humans, two we're not allowed to go near them, and the other Ferengi would go, Why? Oh yeah. Mm, didn't think of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It is it's something that the Star Trek prequel series do, because Discovery's done it as well, where they going just to try and fit in, we'll have to put in a line here. It's really lazy writing, but oh, just God. so we can fit continuity, just throw that line in and have it work. Mm. This entire episode is lazy writing. Just, <laughs> entire series. Man. There's just no reason for it. Yeah. None at all. Yeah, so that's acquisition. Uh, so, Elliot, something to let you know about the Ferengi is they first appear in season one of Next Generation and they were basically billed as Star Trek's new big bad guy because the Klingons <laughs> were good guys now and they were saying at that point they weren't going to use the Romulans. So they bring in the Ferengi and then from like their second episode, that's all gone out the window and they've gone, these guys are stupid. <laughs> <laughs> because they're stupid. I mean, the Klingons aren't geniuses. Not from what I've seen, at least. But No, but... Also, you know, the, the Klingons have physicality on their side. They could kick the shit out of a human. Yeah. A Ferengi, mm. one of these guys, I wouldn't fancy that. You just have to flick their ear and they're down. Yeah. 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 I think it would be yeah. satisfying to punch a Ferengi. Many people have. <laughs> so. I, I don't yeah. want to touch one. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine meeting them in real life? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Somebody get bit on the ear at one point by a Ferengi. Yeah, Trip bites one of the Ferengi on the ear. That's gross. Ooh, that's like biting on his balls. Yeah, exactly. That would be painful. Yeah. Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird the Ferengi on their ears because there's like there's episodes later in TNG where oh, which one is it? I think it might be Captain's Holiday where you've got the Ferengi there talking to Vash and he's just rubbing his ear while he's talking to her. It's like oh, yeah, I just literally grabbing out of his in front of. Or a woman doing, you know, it's just, ah, oh, why did he think that was a good idea? <laughs> nasty. I feel like nasty. if you cut a Ferengi's ear off and put it on a plate, it would look like a pastry. Yeah. <laughs> like a Danish. Yeah. It would look oh, like, man. um, do you know those uh, pig's ears that you give the dogs to chew? Ew. <laughs> ew. Ew. <laughs> yes, the Ferengi oh, are disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. Wow. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, Elliot, this, this episode is very controversial because officially first contact with the Ferengi is Captain Picard. He's mm, the right. first person to encounter them, and even then he doesn't see them, and then it's not till next generation you actually see what the Ferengi look like. So So what's the excuse? Uh they said don't come near us again. But they didn't log anything about meeting this race, no. either the humans. Didn't mention like, well, what these no, people no look like. The cameras, nothing. No. <laughs> but, right. So this is my theory on this. Okay, 
Um, we see different aliens every single week on Star Trek. Like, remember the mushroom-eyed aliens that, yep. that crept around in the dark? And then you've got those aliens that turned up and blasted them with that delta beam until they got scared away by the powerful phasers. And then there's those aliens that have got just green heads. That, are that was the around. shroomies again. Yeah, the shroomies, that's it, yeah. So you've got all these weird alien races, like, scuttling around the place. And, you know, we we never see them again. So, like, if you're meeting aliens in an official capacity, if an alien has a planet or a moon or, like, a big capital ship, then you have to kind of take into consideration. We need to learn a bit more about these aliens. But everybody is just, like, shitting around the universe in a shuttle or a little craft. And you could, like, make a log of what you saw. But then, like, where does that go? It goes into a computer, maybe? And is there, like, somebody whose job it is, then, to patch together what, like, so, oh, we saw some big-eared aliens, and, like, oh, that might have been the Ferengi. But I don't think that there was enough info given in this episode uh, for the humans to, to maybe put two and two together 200 years later when Picard I don't know. runs into them. 200 years on, they must not, I mean, because by 200, by, uh, what, uh, Last one, well, kind of far point that they they know enough about the Ferengi well, rumor, and people obviously must have seen Ferengi or seen pictures of it, at least if not actually met them. I don't know. It just doesn't. Ugh. Yeah, it doesn't. It, doesn't work it does feel it. like at this point, Enterprise hasn't gone that far from Earth. It, this it, is comparatively okay. Yeah, and I, I agree. It just with feels that. like the Ferengi would have been encountered again between now and when Picard encounters them, like by the Federation, by Starfleet. Well, that's one of Enterprise's biggest problems, I think, because um, every time they meet an enemy or alien race, whatever, from the TNG area, it just sort of shrinks the Star Trek universe. Like all these creatures that we're meeting now, we never meet again until like 200 years' time. It just. It's like, did Starfleet expand or not? Because clearly they're not expanding very far if they mean them now. Yeah, there is that. But like I said, as well, I mean, this is, I'm not willing to die in this hill, but this is <laughs> like the equivalent of, you know, if you imagine in sort of Viking times, Vikings crossing the Atlantic and bumping into some, uh, you know, uh, sort of First Nation people in Canada encountering them and then the vikings die or they leave on their ships and they go away and that's that and you might have like you said rumors and i know theoretically there should be better information in the future but we are kind of looking at a very marco polo kind of existence at the moment enterprise is going out there and as elliot frequently says kicking things over and shouting hello at them so like you know ferengana i don't know where it is it might be super far away but these these losers have had to go really far from their home world, like they might have been already on a fairly distant colony, but the Ferengi are like these are losers. Like we don't want to, you know, sort of be involved with them. So they just go further and further out until they till they meet, um, you know, randomly bump into these guys. And space is massive, so like hundreds of Ferengi ships could be out there shooting off into the Delta Quadrant, aiming up towards the Gamma Quadrant, getting wiped out by the Klingons or the or the Romulans. So I think that. It's un- unlikely, unlikely that they wouldn't have met them again. Like mm. there maybe should have been another couple of encounters with the Ferengis and might have helped to build up a-, a dossier. But I do feel like, although not likely, it is possible that they might have bumped into Ferengis. And if it had been any other alien race, I don't think it would have been such a big deal. Like if they'd have bumped into a bunch of Trill, like you'd have just thought, yeah. oh yeah, whatever, Trill. 
Well, yeah, we don't have established canon, I don't believe, for First Contact with the Trill. It's just no. because First Contact with the Ferengi is such a big part of Picard's backstory as well mm. when you meet him in Next yeah. Generation. Two ways I can reconcile this in my head. One, uh, Trip lighted a bomb and it blew up the Ferengi's ship when they got a bit further away, so they never made it home anyway. <laughs> yeah. Two, Archer's just that incompetent. All he logged was, hey, we on board. We kicked their asses. Went to Paul, went, that all right? And she just rolled her eyes and went, yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> that is definitely my version of events. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Archer just put in a log that just says, I won again. <laughs> Who, who's to say that during the Earth Romulan War, the, the Romulans didn't do a computer virus on like Earth's central database at one point? They lost a bunch of information. You never know. Mm-hmm. You don't. I prefer my theories of incompetence <laughs> and explosions, though. That's <laughs> yeah. So I, does I, seem I, consistent. I've sort of often kind of like this is one of those little Star Trek conundrums I like to play with in my mind. Uh, I'd love to know, like obviously there's no way of knowing this unless somebody wrote a book about it or something. How like connected Starfleet's info is that it gathers because. Like there are some established things they go to Axanar and they you go to these various places and you're like, okay, that will be you know relevant later on. It's quite far for them now, but you know, in the future that's gonna be, you know, slap bang in the middle of the Federation. And I like that because it gives you an idea of, of, of continuing progress. But like what did they miss out on? What does every exploration ship miss out on when it goes to some random world to buy a length of carpet or something like Beverly Crusher <laughs> does in that one episode of TNG? And then, like, the alien talking to her. Like, that could be, like, a super important alien from, like, a really powerful alien race. We don't know. It's just some carpet seller in some backwater planet. I will say that a uh, quote from Brandon Braga himself about this episode, there's no excuse for the Ferengi. No excuse. That was an act of desperation. I hated it. <laughs> um, I love I that agree. quote. <laughs> what? Because that's the thing, isn't it? There is no reason for it, because... In a prequel series, if you're going to bring an element from, as it were, the future, then surely the point is to set up something important that pays off later mm, yeah. or has paid off later, you know. Whereas this, other than the whole human thing, it sets nothing up at all. Literally no. nothing. No, and just to kind of clarify here, I'm not super defending this episode, but I am kind of like interested in the puzzle of why the Ferengi are never mentioned again. Like, if this episode was deleted from history, I... Shit, man, I don't even care now that it exists. Like, <laughs> like my opinion of it wouldn't super change. <laughs> it's not... We'll warn you now, Elliot, there are some other episodes like this where aliens come in that just shouldn't be there. But it's also something Enterprise has actually not done too badly previously, like the Axanar, yeah. the Malurians, races who are an event mentioned or referred to in the original series that we then see in Enterprise and go, oh, that. But then it does stuff like this, or it's like, the fans want to see this. No, no they don't. The fans did not want to see the Ferengi in Enterprise. Also, and this is a massive spoiler, really, Earlier humans have actually met the Ferengi before as well. We'll uh, save that discussion for another day. <laughs> we will. See, I'm I'm reminded of something that um, Anthony Montgomery said, uh, the guy who plays Travis in the Blu-ray special features. He's on about how he and the other actors and indeed the fans were promised this great new idea of Star Trek, taking it from the beginning, proper, you know, basics, 
And what do we end up with? Just basically the same again. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's the problem. There's just too much pandering instead of doing something interesting with this entire series. Yeah. I mean, I've been like working bit by bit on my alternative idea for, for what could have been season one of Enterprise, um, which we're slowly piecing together as we go throughout this, uh, this podcast. And I just think that somebody with a pencil and a piece of paper could have mapped out like in, in half an hour, a much better first series, you know, mm-hmm. not necessarily writing all the episodes, but just kind of sitting down and going, right, you know, we'll do this at the beginning. We won't have the Enterprise launch straight away. We'll have another ship go out first. And then the first couple of episodes are like Archer doing something on Earth, dicking around. And then the other ship goes missing. And then their first series is trying to find that ship. And it's pretty well, tragic. That's essentially what um, Brandon Bra- um, Braga wanted to do, isn't it? Is His it? original idea was to be, yeah, the first season is basically on Earth showing you the build-up before they go out there. Yeah. But Berman, no, time travel, let's add that into the mix because that's fun. Let's get them out of straight away. It's like, but we've done that. Yeah. See, Braga wanted to do something different, but, well, look what we got. Importantly. I did not know that. Yeah, yeah, it's on the, I assume you've not got the Blu-rays. No, but you're making me want to buy it, and that's terrible you of you, Andy. <laughs> the, um, special features, the season documentaries are fascinating because, oh man, the cast, because with the DVDs, they were released when the episodes were still being transmitted, so obviously they were on the contract not to say anything too bad. <laughs> but DVD Blu-rays were done so many years later, they could actually, we're not on contract now, so we can be honest and say this was awful. And they are... <laughs> very honest about their experiences it's quite interesting that sounds entertaining i i might have to buy the blu-rays just for the extras can you you just borrow them or someone (laughs) 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 the what does i'm interested as 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 to what anthony montgomery thought about his role yeah i think he had again nice idea but he knows that he didn't get to do a whole lot which is the same for all of them the only person who really 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 thinks he got a great deal was and i don't want to spoil this so i'm going to be very careful here was um connor trenier who plays trip because okay. obviously what happens in the last episode happens yeah and he, he says he's probably the only character on enterprise who got a beginning and middle end for his character whereas you no one of the others got a wrap-up yeah so he's the only one who is happy with what happened hmm. ironically because the fans aren't yeah, <laughs> all about Scott Bakula. Didn't he enjoy his time as Captain Archer? He did. I think he enjoys it more as he went along, though, because mm. he he loves. I mean, in all the documentaries, he's, he's always talking about how much he loves it, and he's all about the writings are awesome and stuff. And he was definitely one of the you know one of these actors who welcomes everybody all the time, and he just looked at it every week's a new experience, every week's a new somebody new to work with. So I think he had a very good outlook on it all, regardless of the quality of any given episode. Which I think you have to do when you're working on a TV show like that, don't you? Because otherwise... Yeah, definitely. If you end up being the captain, I think it's, it's just fun, isn't it? I think just just being the captain of any of the ships, you get to sort of, you know, you're, you're a Star Trek captain. There's only like a small handful of people who could say yeah. it. Even if your ship and your, your show is crap, it's still pretty exciting, I guess. Yeah. There's a show, I think it's on Netflix, and it was on Netflix, I don't know if it still is, uh, made by Shatner. I think it's called 
Captain something or other, I can't remember now. But it's basically a documentary he goes around and talks with all the various oh, captain yeah. about being a Star Trek captain. And it's amazingly interesting. We've watched that, haven't we? Patrick? Yeah, I think it's because that was on there for a while. I think it's just called The Captains. And yeah. There's another companion one yeah. called Chaos on the Bridge, which was him looking at the first couple of seasons of Next Gen and the making of that. Yeah, like, yeah those were both really, really good. Did we watch those on a night shift one time? <laughs> yes, we did. <laughs> when we were supposed to be working. <laughs> Neither of us work at that job anymore, so we don't have to worry about that. <laughs> oh, speaking of Archer, have you heard that apparently... He's almost certainly coming back in one of the new shows. Really? What? Apparently so. Okay. Um, not sure which one, but presumably it'd be in Strange New World. I would assume, I yeah. You know, Old Man Archer, or there's some time travel or something. But yeah, I, I think it'd be nice for the Enterprise gang to get a second crack, just to have a, as it were, final season or something to wrap up and give them a basically good ending. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, I... I agree. I'd, I'd like that. We've said before, we, we do really like them as a bunch of actors. Yeah. Um, Most they're... of them. <laughs> you know there's one I don't like. A, a lot of them work really hard to get stuff out of those characters. Like, T'Pol does great stuff with what she's able to do. Uh, Jolene Balak, Balak, I should say. And um, Dr. Flox as well, whose name escapes me. John Billingsley. John Billingsley does great stuff. He's a bitter um, man. He's yeah. a bitter man. Yeah. Oh, is he? Oh, watch the documentaries. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> He's very cynical. Really? <laughs> and quite an ego. Oh, interesting. Well. Seriously, you've got to watch these documentaries. You're never going to rewatch the show again the same way. Right. That's what I'm doing. As soon as we finish recording, I am ordering some Blu-rays. <laughs> <laughs> the episode after this, I'll be expecting you to be like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> What have you done to us? <laughs> <laughs> well, do we have any more to say about acquisition? Gross. Yeah, what was what was the point of it? <laughs> it was a silly episode. It the, the threat level was never that high because you always knew that they were going to outsmart these morons. Yep. Once again, it is an established, almost a, a weird sort of established thing that Ferengi play a really shit trick and temporarily overcome a Star Trek Starfleet crew, but then you know that they're going to get the ship back really, really quickly because they're <laughs> blithering idiots. See, my feeling with this one, every time I when I watch any of next or Star Trek, when I know there's a Ferengi episode coming up, I'm like, oh god. But I end up enjoying them because the Ferengi are generally fun to watch. Oh yeah, D Swiss this Nine. One, it was a bit of fun, but. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, what was the point? With other Ferengi episodes, and DS9 especially, you can at least get something out of it. Yeah, as a, as someone who's not familiar with the Ferengi or anything like that, it was, but who knew that they were a part of Star Trek in the future, more so especially, it was very, well, like, okay, unexplained and as you say pointless it was just like okay i know that these guys are important in the future somehow but this isn't telling me anything except that i guess they're dumb asses (laughs) (laughs) this episode doesn't tell you anything at all it doesn't add to them it doesn't set anything up it's just them clowning around for a bit like it didn't even say their race name until you guys said they're the ferengi right like well that's because they were trying to keep continuity elliot 
it's know, weird because Ferengi are always talking about themselves. Why didn't they do that by writing a better episode? do you know what Hmm. you could have written an episode with a race that wasn't the Ferengi but was vaguely similar in certain ways and just had a lot of fun with it yeah that's true and it probably would have been better as a result yeah 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 well there that is so our next episode we will be looking at Oasis not the band Elliot what do you think you'll get there I I have no idea I would like to imagine that one of the characters will hallucinate and see a mirage for some reason on a desert planet or something and we'll get those heat lines (laughs) well it's another one i have no memory of so (laughs) i think i know which one is maybe but i'm not going to say in case i'm wrong matt any ideas um this is the bit of the show where i uh, are required to be memory alpha uh, this episode and then memory alpha doesn't load because it's been too slow or something. And then I'll go, uh, I can't remember this episode. <laughs> Excellent. Well, there we are done for another week, uh, with acquisition. We hope you've enjoyed the episode. Andy, thank you very, very much for joining us. We really appreciate your time. Fun. It's been fun. Can I do a better episode next time? Yeah. Can I do a better episode next time, please? Can't make that promise. We got a couple of years of enterprise. Regeneration, I can do that one. <laughs> As ever, you can find links to all our social media presence, the show's presence, Elliot, SoundCloud as well, all in the description of the show. We will be back in a week's time. Thank you very much for listening. If you did enjoy the show, please do rate and review us on your app of choice. We would hugely appreciate that. And we will speak to you next time. Bye-bye. 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 Welcome to The Measure of a Fan, a Star Trek podcast in which two Star Trek nerds and a Star Trek noob watch all of Star Trek chronologically. I said Star Trek there. I'm going to take it again.